Hello and welcome to another Comedian's Interview for my blog, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 800 comedians and counting over the last 46 years. I'm honoured today that my guest is the great, I think, the greatest compare, comedy compare in Britain and he's also my comedy brother. It's Mr. James Gill. Yes! <laughs> Hello! How are you? Well, I get, I, mate, I get quite emotional seeing you clapping there because it takes me back to the Tommy Field. Yes. Well... Every time I walk on, many a good night I've had there, my friend. It's <laughs> it's just been wonderful. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, as a, uh, uh, it's going to last about an hour. It's going to be all what? about your comedy career. Okay. And I want to go right back to the start and ask you, how did you become a comedian in the first place? Sure, he was, mate, it was pretty much out of the womb in terms of wanting to do it, uh, to the extent where a family holiday to the Isle of Man, I, I mean, I must have been about five or six, and the in the hotel, the hotel DJ goes, does anyone want to get up and, you know, do a bit or whatever? And I think he's expecting, like, a you know, maybe a young girl to sing a song, or, I mean, I don't know what it was after. And I, I remember saying to my family, I'll go up and, and do some... <laughs> Wow. Tell some jokes. No, 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 please, no. Please, don't do that, please. And uh, yeah, I went up and told, uh, yeah, I would have been so young. Uh, and that was it, I guess, the bu the bug bit then. Uh, so I'd always I'd always wanted to be a comedian. And, and to the extent where when Dustin G died, yes. uh, I, my teacher helped me write, I, I'd have been... Maybe again, maybe about five, six years old. And my teacher helped me write a letter to Les Dennis, telling Les how sorry I was and how much I loved him and loved Dustin and wanted to be a comedian myself. Uh, so this has been this has been a this has been a lifelong thing. But then I became a sports writer, right? And often, and as, a, and as a sports writer, I'm, you're working late, pretty much every evening, and so it just didn't it just didn't fit with the with the the the, the job. And so I did a few gigs in my twenties, a handful of gigs in my twenties. I just couldn't make it work due to being a sports writer. And then uh, the London paper folded, so I was no longer a sports writer. I went to shortlist, which was a day job. And then that was it. I had no, no more excuses. So so I was able to properly throw myself into it. But I mean, I was I was about thirty one, which in comedy is old, you know. Uh, and then I, I was doing I did comedy for a good couple of years on the open mic circuit, just gigging, 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 uh, and then launched Always Be Comedy 10 years ago. So now this is, we're pretending this is August, even though it's March. It and may so, go out, it may be yeah, around about August time, yeah. Well, J June 2021, we we, we think was is 10 years of Always Be wow. Comedy. That's pretty much when I started uh, comparing. Wow. Um, your growing up with all the comedians was similar to mine. My my first, one of my first forays, my, my first ever gig was Les Dawson in Scarborough with the family, with, with, with my mum and dad and my brother. And, and in the same year, we, we went to see, uh, I think it was a year later, we saw Tommy Cooper. But um, uh, the, 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 there is a, the, 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 
there's a wonderful story for me where we, we went on holiday in in Torquay when I was 10 and we went to see Tom O'Connor at Paynton and uh, I'd never heard of him and he made me laugh but it was the first time it was notable because it was the first time uh, that my loud laugh actually stopped to show he, he he was floored by me laughing so hard that he and couldn't what, what continue. Done, he had to he had to walk off and come back on again and I thought I, why is he walking off because I was only 10, 10. But, uh, but but I thought right I, I love <laughs> this this is fantastic and 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 the way the comedians that you saw were similar to the ones I believe that I saw. There were there were there were like there weren't end of the peer comedians, but there were television nightclub comedians, and uh, that's how I first got into it. I've got I've got a vision of um, what of looking at um, old seaside uh, posters of comedians who were playing at the end of the pier and and from from those holidays. Um, so you were rich, um, rich, yeah crucially parents getting divorced when i was a a very young boy is ultimately the answer to how did you become a comedian right because without that genuinely i think you i think you need that in your locker now i'm like you i'm, a, I'm such an anorak of comedy i could go through pretty much every single comedian and tell you what happened to them when they were a child uh, and that being the reason that they've gone on to become a comedian. So if you, you know, I'm sure you're like me, you've read pretty much all the comedian autobiographies. They're all behind me. <laughs> but nearly every one of those probably had, some, you know, Steve Martin, you know, dedicated, that whole book is pretty much about his relationship with his dad. Yeah, uh, Lee yeah. Mack in his book writes about what happened with his parents and, he, and his auntie. Uh, you know, you can go, through, Peter Cook, uh, his relationship with his dad, Billy Connolly, he's written about yeah. in Pamela Stevenson's book. You know that that's well published. You know, so I do. I think, generally speaking, in order to be a comedian, you need something to have happened. You need that Batman Begins type moment in your childhood yeah. that sets you on that path. Because you, 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 by getting the laugh, by trying to make strangers laugh, you're trying to fill that void. I think. Um, that's really got, interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm very. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm very. I'm genuinely very grateful that that happened because yeah. you and I would not be having this conversation now without it. I don't think. No, no, because um, a lot of them um, do have to. It's not. It's not suffer, but as you say, something has happened in their life that has yeah. made them do it. Yeah. So, um, can you tell me about your first ever gig? Can you remember when it was? Can you remember um, what you were feeling as you went on? Or did you have any nerves or anything like this? Yeah, I remember it very clearly. So this, this was when, I'd, as I say, I was still a sports writer. So I'd, I'd tried, I'd, I'd done a handful of gigs. And so my, very, my first ever gig, I used to drink in a pub, when I was a booze, I used to drink in a, in a pub called the Nell Gwyn, which is off the Strand. Right. And my friends and I used to drink them. My old, some old uni mates of mine, and I, you know, dare I say, I was the. It's not really for me to say, but the, you know, the funny one of the group, um, and the the landlord there was a comedian called. Uh, sorry, I feel, I'm, I'm, but as you know, Rich, I don't drink, so I'm drinking this delicious not uh, percent. Do you always be funny? I'm always drinking this not percent lager. I apologise. <laughs> I, I I just burped non-stop for about thirty seconds there. Um, <laughs> 
Rob, Co- Rob Collins was the landlord at this pub called Manel Gwyn, and my friends would always say to Rob, because Rob, Rob was also a, a, a stand-up, you know, a well-established yeah. circuit comedian. My friends would say, oh, our friend Gilly, take a look at him. And then Rob, fair play to him. You know, it's like he called their bluff. He just went to me, okay, come here. Uh, I think it was like Tuesday, seven o'clock, bring your material and I'll I'll go through it. And so I did, I, you know, I, like every aspiring comedian, I had secretly written a load of stuff. So I took it to the Nell Gwyn. I think it was a Tuesday. I'd have been about 26. Uh, and he took me down to his, it, down to the cellar where his office was and he made me perform this routine. And he's, he's, got, he's got a real granite face as Rob Collins. And he's like, right, I'm just seeing I'm deliberately not going to laugh. And I made him laugh a couple of times. And he goes, uh, this is, mate, this is, a good, this is a good story. This is a good story. <laughs> he goes, I've got a gig tonight. Do you want to come with me and watch? And I was like, Rob, I would love to. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then we got on the tube. And I think it was on the tube where he goes, you're doing your first ever gig tonight. Wow. And I was like, no way. And he went, yep. And... I felt so alive because I can, I can remember this so vividly. I can remember like you know every moment of every moment. And he got there. It's PJ, who's the, quite the uh, quite the character on the open mic circuit. It was one of PJ's gigs, and and Rob said this lad can do his first gig tonight. And PJ, fair play, put me on. Uh, and do you know who went on directly after me? Uh, what year are we talking? As well, I'll tell you. Yeah. Uh, Tim Vine. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Tim, yeah, Tim Vine had popped in to try some new stuff. Wow. He, he was next on that night. Uh, so, yeah, the, the gig, I mean, the gig itself, I don't, I, I, I seem to remember, st- I think it started off all right, but I did, you know, I don't, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I smashed it, but I remember the euphoria. Uh, and after the gig, I had eyes like saucers. <laughs> yeah. And back in those days, it's good that it was something natural that had made my eyes go like <laughs> <laughs> and, and Rob Collins goes, just so you know, you won't sleep tonight. And I, and I was like, what, re- really? Wow. And uh, yeah, I went back home and my heart was, heart was, I, I do I remember, I even remember lying in bed staring at the ceiling, just absolutely, uh, it, was, it was, it was, it was, it was pure euphoria. This is um, for you. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that is, that is brilliant because um, the reason why I've wrote the blog is, um, uh it's 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 an enthuse for everybody who can who can go out and actually do this because it's it it's obviously not the hardest job in the world but it's one it must be one of the most stressful things to go out because you have to go out and communicate with an audience uh within a minute get them to really be on your side and 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 however original or funny or uh, warm that you are, you've got to go and do that. It's, it's, it's fascinating to see, having seen so many of them over the years. Yeah, but I, I always think, because people say that, and some comedians say that of themselves, like talk about themselves as if there's some sort of fucking brave warrior or whatever. And I'm like, no one's making you do it. It's your choice. No, exactly. <laughs> you're, a fucking, you're a fucking show off. <laughs> Pretend that you're anything more than just a show off is a fucking it's an insult. Uh, 
No one's um, making you do it. No, no one's putting a gun to your head. You're no. doing it because you want to do it and you, you love do it. it. You know, so grow up. Yeah. Um, as I say, I've watched comedy for so long. I've seen so many compares at comedy clubs and they're all very, very good. But I regard you as one of the best, the best, just about. And all just, you know, Richard, just uh, people watching, Richard wrote the best. The best, one. the best. I can't read my writing. The. And always be comedy as the best comedy club, both live and online. How did the club start t 10 years ago? Because I've been there for about five. I went through five last year, but it's been going for nearly I think, I think you might be six then, by the but I think you might be six, you know. Yeah. You know, including the online gigs. Yeah. Um, so it's a good question, and the only answer is, is that we don't know. So it was it was uh, myself and two friends, like, like called Paul Vale, who now lives in America. Yeah. That's how much he enjoyed it. He fled to another country. <laughs> and then a, a lad you know well, Stuart Keeping. So it was the three of us who launched yeah. it, and we used to live with each other. And we used to there was a film that we watched almost on a loop and it was a film called Glen Gary Glen Ross oh I've got it there just the best incredible film yeah. not enough not, well it's much what you like but it's amazing how many people have never heard of this film given the, the calibre of you know yeah. uh, it's play anyway we'd, we'd watch this film a lot and I don't mind I don't mind admitting that it was the, the name was my was, I don't mind admitting this even though I can barely get out of my mouth I, I don't mean i think any comedian that finds it any comedian worth their salt should find it difficult to speak positively about themselves i want i want them filled with self-hatred I, I don't want them to sound i don't i don't want I don't cocky or smug that's why i'm struggling to admit that this brilliant idea was my idea <laughs> but it was my idea to call it always be comedy because we watched this film it's, so that's from the alec baldwin ABC always be closing. Yeah. Always be closing. I never knew that. Yes, my love. There you go. Wow. So wow. That's where the that's where the name came from. But why we launched it, we the three of us to this day, we would be lying. I mean, we could easily retrofit it. So it's because you wanted to become a compare. But those two are. I mean, those two wouldn't have sacrifice so much time just so that I could become a compare. Yeah. So what I, th I I honestly think we did it because those two used to come watch me a lot. So I just think we did it because we we loved comedy. And we I, I, I wonder if it's because we'd seen so many nights that weren't great. And I think I can say that because we were, I was open mic at the time and not, you know, some of the nights are, are bad. So maybe we just thought we, we could have a crack at, at running a night. But I, even then, I'm not convinced that that's the actual answer. Um, and then it, I mean, I know I've talked about this on stage and I do joke about it, but I mean, genuinely for the first 18 months, it was not, you know, it was not good enough. And, and I nearly stopped it a few times because it was right. costing me money because the very, very first one was very successful. And, uh, and that is often the case with the, with the, the launch night because it's that first, it's the uh, new baby syndrome. Oh, they've got a new comedy night in Kennington. We'll check that out. And then the peak, you know, then that the, the numbers disperse. So by about gig number three, you know, it, it's costing money. And so, as I say, for for, for nearly eighteen months, it, it was it was, yeah, it, it would have been costing me, it would have been costing me money more often than not. Yeah. And then Russell Kane came down. We did a charity gig uh, about eighteen months into it, 
and this was when Kane was a was Russell Kane was the first person who while they were obviously Russell Kane is, is bigger now than he's ever been but Russell was a big star back then as well and so Russell was the first person who came down while being a big star and that and you cannot you cannot emphasize enough the importance that that had and always be comedy so we had people like Ramesh Ranganathan and Ashling B and Rob Beckett and Catherine Ryan and Sarah Pascoe and on and that list goes on and on and on and on I mean it's 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 insane but all those guys this was before they were properly breaking through so Catherine Ryan got I mean God love her I remember her I mean I get emotionally the thing about this there was one time we did a gig in Brixton and she she opened I mean yeah she opened by saying James I'm going to cry here. James always booked me when I <laughs> here we go James always booked me when I was when I was Catherine Ryan and he booked he booked me before I was TV's Catherine Ryan, and I, that, I thought it was such a, a a lovely thing to say. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah, but I think what I'm getting at is there's, we've had a lot of luck with Always Be Comedy, and all those incredible names and many, many more. Ed Gamble, James, Ed, I mean Rachel Pratt. I could get. I mean the the list is insane. But all those guys were doing Always Be Comedy uh, before or as they were breaking through, and the fact that we've all remained pals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as you've seen with the online, you know, with the online night, the past oh, year, amazing. year and a bit by the time this comes out. Uh, well, so my my first one, my first ABC, my first always be comedy five years ago. I was sitting midway back with Rob Collins, who um, I used to work with, and he invited me to come along. I I was looking for a small room. Different uh, Rob Collins to go yeah yeah oh yeah yeah if he's listening to this thank you so much because the amount of joy i've had over the five years as you know mate has been incredible um sure. and i sat midway back and i was nervous i wasn't very confident in myself and i thought the laugh will go and and josh widdicombe came on was brilliant as ever and I laughed loudly and I thought, I love this. And then I went back the following week and Rob said, come and sit on the front row. And that just, it just took off from there. I, I, I can't tell you how much you've and the club have um, made me a better person. Just, it just gives me joy and positiveness and enthusiasm to do the blog, to do my job, to come to, to be in London you know because i'm from carlisle sure. um it's just extraordinary um, and also and rich you must you would you would have lost counts literally of the number of comedians who start their sets talking about you talking with you so you know i mean you know we did one of those gigs yeah kevin bridges you know who i'm sure we'll talk about in a bit you know one of the greatest stand-ups of all time starts off talking about rich you know it's it lovely is, it, I find it staggering, but 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 I think it's done because of the enthusiasm the audience have in that room, and yeah. that's down to you and getting it together and all the rest of it. And um, everybody who I've spoken to, the majority of the comedians who I've spoken to, certainly yeah. who have played Always Be Comedy, always mention the club, which yeah. is just extraordinary. No, it's and, nice. And what what has delighted me as well over the last six months or so is it's not just me 
praising the club through my blog, which I do constantly, you, you're also now getting recognised in the media, on television, um, and that is just wonderful to see. It's it it be, because it's such a good night. It's so euphoric. Um, I could just keep praising you all all all, all night for doing it. Um, uh, anyway, let's go back to you being a comedian for for, for uh, before the comparing. Um, yeah. What has been your? Have you had a really awful gig? You 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 must have had terrible gigs to to get the experience to become a good comedian. Yeah, I think I I reckon I think the worst the worst ever was pro and I, I I'm not you know what I might I, I probably won't say the comedian I know I know this comedian has told this story but because they're a friend I'm not comfortable saying their name <laughs> well it's up to you no I don't I, no they're a very dear friend <laughs> but there was a there was a, a good friend of mine turned up in a in a bad way and uh that was that was that was the i mean i've done you know well over a thousand gigs that was the, that was probably the worst so there was there was a hen party in and this was this was like this was before the club was popular if memory serves so there was a hen party in they were hammered there were 19 19 of them absolutely smashed and there could only been about 30 people in the audience i mean it was it was a disaster it was just a disaster and they were there to see the act who was, let's say, in a, in a let's say, not well. And the the act threw up into another act's guitar case. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this guy went on stage and he's like, he's trying to play the guitar, and he said, he said, he said on stage, he was like, I can, I can feel the sick sloshing about. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> That is unbelievable. I, was, I mean, I was I was personally mopping the I was my hands and knees, mopping stick up, and then just and then I just thought it couldn't get any worse. And uh, a well-known comedy critic walked walked in. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was I mean it was it was it was like a it was like a it was like a farce. I mean, it, you couldn't you couldn't make it up. So I, I had these I had these these hen party just like ruining any chance of the gig being oh, salvageable mate. sick in the guitar mopping up sick and then the and then the I'm sure there's one other incident anyway then the then this critic walked in it was like you could i mean you could you could not make it up if wow. you if, if you were doing a sitcom about the comedy circuit and you reenacted what happened that night the audience would be like nah you've gone too far here <laughs> it was it was it that i mean that was i had a, I had a really good think about that that question and that it <laughs> my soul kept coming back to that <laughs> event and so it was it was yeah it was it was wretched it really wow. was. Yeah. so so when when <laughs> when you were a comedian presumably i'm i'm guessing you must no i would no i would rich i i would say that the i would say that the mc is is a comedian but you're not doing sets no yeah there's a difference between a uh, obviously a comedian and a compare but you must have trained as a comedian to become a compare. Is that right? Or were you straight into the comparing? No, no, no. I've been, I, I was doing stand-up sets you for a good few years. So, before. so did you do like five-minute sets with friends going along and all the rest of it? Because I've done that a lot. Going Fives, tens, building up to twenties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then I got into comparing. I'll you know what? 
you know, sometimes the universe <laughs> makes the decision for you. So what happened was, and I was still, I was still doing. I mean, I still do the odd set now, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was still doing sets and comparing simultaneously for quite a few years, right? And I was so much better at comparing because what was happening was was professional other professional nights were snapping me up to compare, whereas the stand-up sets I never truly fully graduated from open spots like up the creek would have me on a weekend as the as the 10 in the middle wow um but the comp that I mean I love a fake graph but if you imagine I started comparing and that went like that whereas the stand-up was always I see yeah you know yeah. so the decision was made for me really yeah. comparing was just a much better fit yeah and i just enjoy i just enjoyed it so much more as well you know well well that leads me on to my next, the next well, question can i answer the best gig say again I'll, I'll tell you what the best gig was if that yeah. was the worst gig it it would have to be the 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 leeds festival to seventy thousand people wow um yeah That's the bit we've daunting it was yeah the bit but uh, i know i've talked about it uh, always be comedy but uh joe thomas and i had to go out to seventy thousand at the leeds festival and do this bit <laughs> to get these crowd shots and that was i mean that was the best because it could i mean joe and i are both very self were very similar in terms of very self-deprecating to the point of self-hatred <laughs> and but if he was here now he'd say the same it couldn't have gone any better wow um that but was I mean, we incredible were, oh but we were we were in a terrible state beforehand i mean we were you know hands on our knees deep breathing you name it and then one side i went out first and it went honestly it was very apparent very quickly that it was going well and then joe came out and i could and he was enjoying it and as we walked off joe put his arm around me and said something i think he said yeah that went all right didn't it <laughs> which, which for joe to say that is the equivalent of like oh my god that was extraordinary you know <laughs> But that was that was again you know that first of a gig that was one of those things that i can remember every moment of every moment I, you know we had to we had to follow two door cinema club because that there was this little gap where Brilliant. we could film this bit yeah. uh, i remember i remember wow. stepping over the cables to get to the to get to the stage and i think i must have gone on with a mic yes stepping over the cables to get to where i needed to get that opening line i i got a laugh pretty much from the off and we you know and we, and we were away i think my opening line was something like uh me and some friends, uh, some people I know are shooting a film and uh, tell you what, we could really do with 70,000 extras and the crowd, thank fuck, just got it like that. <laughs> because they knew, what, they knew what we were after. Uh, away. That must have been amazing. It was amazing. There was one bit where me and Joe were doing this stuff and it was going that well. I, st I started doing a dance. <laughs> it was so well. I started I, from nowhere, I, I was like doing I this I it was gym. better than my singing. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was that was a, that was you know that was um, you know I think we both know that in life when a good thing comes along you've really got to yes appreciate and be grateful that it happened and that's it. Wow. I mean I think I think about that I reckon every single I think about that even fleetingly every single I think because the stakes were so high so I think about that every literally every day of my life. That is that is that is a fantastic story. Um, yeah. You appear to be 
extremely confident on stage and you are brilliant with audience interaction. Um, do you suffer from any nerves before you go on stage and how do you cope with them? Yeah, so I, I, I put, I'm a big, I mean, I've read a lot of self-help books and uh, it's performance anxiety comes up in quite a few self-help books. And from what I've read and from what I feel and what from what I've experienced, I, I welcome nerves and nerves are a really good yeah. thing. And I think you need nerves yeah. in order to deliver and something to, you know, a bit, a bit like reacting against that childhood divorce. You need the nerves to, 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 to play off. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the, when I say the worst thing in the world, I don't mean it literally, but the worst thing in the world in, in terms of what we're talking about is when you're not up for it. And they're the moments where you're on stage <laughs> and the little voice in your head is going, ah, mate, you you're, not, you're not feeling this. Because, you, I mean, <laughs> this is, a, this is a, 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 a rocket, one of my kids, so I'll use this yeah, as a yeah. mic. But you're literally standing there and the voice in your head is just saying, mate, you, you're, phoning, you're phoning this in. And so when you're not up for it, you're sat on the train home and the penny drops that the whole gig passed you by and you're like, oh, what a wasted opportunity. Wasted and there's nothing off. worse than when a, when a crowd's red hot yeah. and you, you've not been nervous and you've phoned it in and it's, it's, like, it's like missing an open goal, you know, it's <laughs> really, you really kick yourself. So yes, uh, I wouldn't say do I suffer from nerves, I enthusiastically welcome nerves and, and gobble them up. And, you know, I'm someone who really thrives on nervous, you know, as, as you can tell, I'm very animated all the time. So nervous energy is like my best friend, I think. You mentioned before the film Glengarry Glen Ross and Glengarry Glen Ross stars Jack Lemon. Jack Lemon is my, has always been my favourite actor. And at the American Film Institute, they gave him a lifetime achievement award and he said whenever i whenever i uh film whenever i go and, and act um a little voice goes in my head and says magic time and then i go and do the performance and when i sit in the front row i can see you psyching yourself up right yeah. Pearl jam play right. yeah, and it's right. a similar thing because you're then released and you are the best compare in Britain to get whoever they are. You always try and involve absolutely everybody. And it's just joyous to watch. And, and everybody who I've taken a lot of friends to see always be comedy. And if they've never been before, everybody's talking about you as the compare make making the glue. And that's why a lot of the acts you say your friends with them all, they all want to come back you know and it's it's yeah. it, it, you, you, you've created an absolute wonderful thing so but, but, but I mean, what you're saying there there's times there where i mean like you see me psych myself up yeah you know if i've if i've had a i mean when i was juggling it with a i mean thank god i'm full you know i'm full time now but when i was juggling it with a full time job if yeah. i had a shit day in the office yeah i would have to i'd have to like like the ultimate warrior like trying to dig deep and <laughs> get something you know get something out of myself so I mean, you know, warm up some of the set. I'm often writing things on my hand to like I'm writing um I'm writing like I remember when Ed Miliband wrote Happy Warrior. I don't even remember that. Ed, <laughs> hang on, Jay. Ed Miliband wrote on a pad of paper, Happy <laughs> Jay. Hello. Jay. What are you doing? It's a very serious interview. <laughs> Jemima, this is a panorama. What are you doing? 
Nathan, let me need you. <laughs> hello, hello. Say bye to Rex. Good night. Hello, how are Jonathan's you? Love you. Oh my God, Rich. <laughs> Fatherhood. <laughs> hello, how are you? Just say hello. Have a good day. Get a good day. No. No. I bet you have. Gross. What? I bet you had a wonderful day. Oh my god! All right, say goodnight. Oh my god! Right, night, night, girls. Say night. Lovely to see you. Lovely to see you. Say night, night, Rich. That was nice, Jemima. Night, night. Sleep so well. Good. That was sweet. Bye, see you another day. Night, night. Nice. Sleep night. well. <laughs> All right, you turned that around. Well done. Well done, girls. Fantastic. Uh, Just the best. Fantastic. Yeah, they, God bless them. Uh, so Ed Miliband, I think, was given a speech, and he and he'd been like some sort of zoom lens camera must have must have seen that he'd written Happy Warrior. I think it was on a pad. Yeah. And he got he got he got rinsed for this, but that's that is exactly the sort of stuff I write down. <laughs> If I if I need to sign myself, I mean, I always need to sign myself up. Not always, but you know, but with warm ups especially. Yeah. Tom Allen, God bless him, very kindly bought me this. I've still got it in just down there actually. This leather bound notebook. And so before warm ups, if I need to dig deep, I will write things down to motivate myself. Yeah, yeah. So I take yeah. that. You know, I, I take. I mean, like that was lovely what you said there, but I I take it really seriously. You know the the. Well, it's men because um, you, as I said at the start, you, you, you've helped me enormously. I've, I've had awful times in my life and awful days at work and all the rest of it. And you go there and the, I sit in the audience sometimes and I think I really can't be bothered with that. But then you with this tonight, but then you come on and yeah. you're so full of beans. You yeah. cannot help but enjoy what you do and and what the club is and and that's why i keep coming back and thank god i always say to th thank god i'm part of it because it it helps me as an individual enormously it really does because it right. just makes my week um what do you think makes a good compare are, are you definitely recording this rich yeah i can right. edit it no, no, no. It's just because normally it'll say like recording or whatever, but it doesn't say it. But no, I'm sure no, no, no. I'm doing this through OBS. I'm doing this through another piece of software and it's recording it for me. Please don't I feel, say that I feel, I feel because... terrible for <laughs> I'm such a worrier though. I was, you can tell that I do these podcasts on this Zoom. It's, it's not recording. Being oh recording. Yes. Uh, what makes a good compare? So good I think, compare? Well, I, I would it'd be very self-aggrandizing to answer this through myself so if i say let's say if we take jen brister who i yeah. think is fantastic yeah. so i would say uh she has control of a room uh she has complete authority but she's also very very not obviously jen i mean i know she wouldn't enjoy these compliments but even that, even Jen not enjoying the compliment is part of her persona. Yes, so obviously, yes. persona can be quite, you know, quite angry and you know. But even when Jenny's been worked up, this is key. She's very, very likable, and yeah. so 
the first time I saw Jen Brister compare, within seconds, I was like, I want to become really good friends with, yeah. with which, which, you know, I, which it's like a stalker. And I've managed to do it. No. But I guess, and I think you've got, I think generally speaking, I, I, surely a compare, the most, I bet there are examples of ones who, who aren't, but you've got to be like, I think you've got to be warm and likeable, I suppose, haven't you? And Jen, Jen is, yeah. You wouldn't yeah. like me saying this, but she is, she is warm and likeable, even when she's be, being worked up about something. She's got that quality yeah. where I want to be her pal, you know. There's something more um, than just telling jokes, I, I, I always think. And, and um, you know, you, you want to go and have a drink with them afterwards or you want to have a chat with them afterwards. They're, they're, they're very endearing on stage or they're very warm and there's another level again where you don't have to do anything so you're like you're twiddling your glasses or your fares or whatever. i'm talking eric morecambe or tommy cooper or even peter k or dawn french and the likes of that um well, but, yeah, well, uh, i mean one thing you've got to you've got to remember that the night comes first and not you mm. so i've seen compares go on and just do a set yeah. and then get the first act on and you just think you fucking shit house yeah you know so it's all about got to be about if you're just coming on doing a set and then going oh your first act is ed gamble well you're yeah Fuck you're an act you're not a compare are you you've got to you know you've got to set the Giles Regan said to me and he meant it in a, in a nice way he says you're like a, a snooker referee and that the table is perfectly set i hope he didn't mean it was deafening silence <laughs> <laughs> what he meant was the conditions were perfect and so you know when that first act comes on that room is rocking you've done everything that you can yeah, for yeah. that act to have a great set and so when you go when i go home at the end of the night if that whole night it's all about the the overarching theme is the night as long as that whole night was great you've done you've done your job that that is that's the most important thing about being a compare the night the night comes first one of the um one of the best nights i had there was when i was when it, when it was my 50th birthday and it was a complete oh, surprise genius i i i couldn't believe how well it had been set up and I, I i was i was so emotional that night i walked through the audience and everybody sang happy birthday but there was like a settee on stage for me right, just yeah. giving me drink and cake and the comedians and you were just fantastic it was great every um, comedian went for that didn't they they loved it they loved matt, that you had your own seat matt ford and phil wang yeah they really right. did take the piss <laughs> Matt Ford and Phil Wang. That's a God. That was a great. I remember that night. That was a great night. Yeah, yeah. superb. Um, I think you've already answered this. Do you prefer comparing to delivering a routine? Yeah, I do. I enjoy delivering a routine, and I, you know, it's lovely when you've got a routine that you know works, and you've mm. got a, you know you've got a bit coming up that you know is going to get that's going to bang hard, uh, and you know, getting laughs from bits that you've prepared. You know, that, that, that's a that is a beautiful feeling. But yeah, I do. I pre I do prefer comparing. I love, you know, that I do. I MC a lot for the Ninety Nine Club, and they've got a room called Ruby Blue, yeah, I've in been. Leicester Square, and yeah. that can be rowdy, yeah. And there, that is a great feeling on a Saturday night when you are in complete control of that potentially rowdy Leicester Square room, yeah. Because you do what you get the first act, and you do walk off, and you. you does sound a bit arrogant but you, you do think ah, that was pretty that was pretty good because that 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 room can be like the wild west and yeah, if you and if yeah. you walk off 
and you've got the room rocking, then that's that's a that is a it's a pretty sweet feeling. That's great. Um, yeah. How do you cope with any difficult audiences? It's it's very very rare I've seen you with them, but it, do you have a routine? Do you have a way of dealing with them? Yeah. So in terms of any trouble, I have it might surprise you. I have a real zero tolerance policy. Uh, I heard a story about Peter, or maybe I mean, I'll stick allegedly in this, but a friend of mine went to go see Peter Kay and they reported back. It was reported, that's fine. Uh, I went to go see Peter on this tour. It was the Mumwants of, I think it was the Mumwants of Bungalow tour. So I saw him at the Apollo. A few nights later, a friend of mine went and Peter Kay walks on stage and a guy, I won't say what the guy said, but heckles something not very nice. And Peter Kay just went, oh, but by the way, I must say, I am firmly on Peter Kay's side with this story, right? Peter just goes, get out. And the, everyone in the Apollo laughs. And Peter Kay just goes, nope, I mean it, get out. And I think some people think he's joking. And Kay goes, trust me, he will ruin the night. And Kay waited until security came in, yeah. again, reportedly. And as they kicked this guy out, his mate went, are oh, you dickhead? As if to say, these tickets cost a fortune they were like gold dust yeah. kicked out before the show even has even started and then they kicked him out and then k just cracked on right brilliant that i i totally agree with brilliant so, so so back up i've heard phil jupiter tell a story he was on tour back in you know years ago i think it's somewhere on the coast and he's doing his tour show and i know this used to be the way with hecklers and he said a guy heckled him from the first minute to the last and Phil Jupiter said he spent the entire evening dealing with this heckler. And then event anyway, gets to the end. Phil Jupiter says, thanks very much. Good night. And the guy walks to the front of the stage and goes like this to Phil, puts his hand out, up at the stage, puts his hand out as if to say, put it there, partner. And Phil Jupiter was, Jupiter was like, what are you talking about? You ruined the fucking, you ruined the show, dickhead. And so I think, I think, I think people who don't know much about live comedy think that heckling is the norm, whereas these days the zero tolerance yeah. thing is much more the norm. And and, I, and again, it comes back to that. It, the evening comes first. It's not the good of the show. Yeah. So I think I've seen people look at me really surprised when there's been a dickhead and I've just had them kicked out. And I think people have looked at me as if to say, what, are you not going to engage in some sort of no. badinage with this? And, and I, ju I just learned, no, because that person will just be a dick all night. And so just fucking get them out. I mean, I remember doing a gig with Chris McCausland and uh, this yeah. was in central London. And someone was just, uh, just nonstop talking. And Chris, and I, I'd, I'd already told them to shut up. And I put, you know, you know, you, you start off, you do it humorously, you know, you, you get them with a gag. And then they still carried on talking. I was like, you, you've really got to stop talking. And then Chris comes on, they're still talking. He puts them down, they're still talking. Chris eventually just goes, he sat down and he goes, I'm not going to carry on until that person has been kicked out. And that was on, and then I personally had to go over. And again, I'm with I Chris. I'm with Chris. It's a difficult audience. We're, we're not here to back hear the, them. We're here to hear the acts. Exactly. Back in the day, did, you know, the, the the that sort of thing was more de rigueur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Oh, comedian Mercy's Heckler, brilliant. Yeah. These days, 
No, yeah. fucking hell. You know, that person over there might have paid for a babysitter. That person over there yeah. might be their first, yeah. their first night off in fucking weeks. That person, you know, everyone in that room has yeah. got their own stories to why they're there. They don't want to hear some fucking wanker. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Out every two minutes. So, yeah. so difficult audiences, as I say, I surprisingly have a real zero tolerance policy when it comes to that. If, a, if an audience is difficult in terms of hard going, uh, I, I just go, I give absolutely everything. As, and I'm sure you've seen me do that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I did an improv course, five right. levels of this improv course, uh, Monkey Toast. Did it years ago, but I really think it helped with the comparing. Yeah, David yeah, Sh yeah. You're welcome. Um, and he told, me, he told me this story, Will Ferrell on SNL, when a sketch was tanking, Will Ferrell would deliberately go over the top in terms of energy. Because his policy was, if this plane is going to crash, then let's fucking, let's have some fun with it. You know? <laughs> and so if the crowd is hard work, I will tr I will just give absolutely everything. And, it, and when it works, oh, it's it's so it's pleasing because yeah. you know that, you, you know, you've dug deep and, um, but yeah. When I, I went to um, Headliners on a on a Saturday, I go I go there quite a bit. And um, uh, Ricky Grover was on stage. He walked on, and uh, there was a really horrible heckler in the front row, just being oh, loud and noisy. Yeah. And infamously, he jumped down and he physically threw him out. And because Ricky Grover is an ex-boxer, yeah. he came back on stage to the theme of Rocky. And Amazing. the audience just loved him instantly for it. And so it worked both ways. He did the best set going. I think I think it made the paper the fact that he threw him out. But but, Amazing. but you're yeah. so so right. I'm a hundred percent behind you. You know I mean you know, ninety nine that you know, they're they're brilliant. Yeah. You know, I, I I love MCing for them. They're they're brilliant nights, but yeah. they've got they've got these showrunners. And these showrunners are great. They're, you know, like that's how I met Tim Lewis. So yeah. one of the way, you know, Anyway, I met Tim Lewis at another gig, but that's how we've become friends. And the showrunners, we have this trust. And they'll, you know, they might say to me at a break, that, you know, that put that guy, let's call him, you know, Clive or whatever, that guy Clive, do we need to kick him out? And I'll go, no, no, actually, he's great value. Um, he's enjoying the night. No, he's, he's fine. But then other nights I'll go, that guy, front row, two from the right i'd be very surprised if you don't end up kicking him out so, <laughs> that, so, re that really so helped that... Yeah, so, you, so, so you must be circling the room but in a very positive enthusiastic way but as soon as anything you because of all the experience that you've had of doing it you must know or, or take a very cal good calculated guess you can tell when someone yeah sometimes someone just needs attention yeah. and so sometimes just by engaging with them that that can solve the problem but you you've also got that sixth sense mm. when someone is just a dick and i mean oh mate there's one time there was one time i'll always be comedy and she i, I still think about this she seems so normal and that's the ridiculous word to use but she was <laughs> quite a young girl seems because what i mean is when it, if a guy's sat there and he's like you know you've yeah yeah, you know, yeah. That, then that's not you know that but this this girl was so normal but she was sat with a mate at the i remember at the back by that cupboard she just literally would not stop to, like at this volume talking to a mate 
so again, I've, I've tried to hush you with a gag. Second time, probably gone a bit, you know, a bit, bit firmer than the third time. I'm like, dude, you, you just stop talking. And then the first act came up, and again, trying to do their set, and he was like, I'm sorry, can you stop talking? Can you stop talking? And we, we actually had to, at the break, we were like, you're going to have, you're going to have to leave. <laughs> and she was like, what? You know, couldn't believe it. I remember her, her, her boyfriend wrote, wrote in the next day. Right. To say, he was, he was mortified just to say, I'm, I, I am so deeply, I don't know why I've, why I've brought that up, but I think I'm bringing it up because it happens so rarely at, at Always Be Comedy that on the very rare occasion it does happen, it, it sort of takes your breath away, you know. When I uh, went to see, I went to see a play about Tommy Cooper once and the, the it was a packed audience and I went uh, and, I'm, and, and I'm laughing very, very loudly uh, and we had the interval and in the second half everybody around me had left and he wondered why why everybody had gone and it was my laugh but we're not talking about enjoying yourself we're talking about if you've got a difficult audience and exactly show, you know well um, no mate you, you can't be criticized for enjoying yourself no, exactly. you? I mean, no. it's a fucking comedy night yeah um you've also done a lot of water of um tv warm-up work and the one that comes to mind for me is when we went to see a recording of Matt Ford's TV show, Unspun. and I and I you got me up uh, um, from the audience to do my classic song. Um, does TV does working in TV differ from live stand up? It, it, yes and no. My persona is is pretty much exactly the same though. And so I get a lot of TV warm up through comedian pals with whom I've gigged a lot. Um, and so they want me to do what I do as an MC, as a TV warm in terms of they want me to get that crowd up. Uh, they want that same energy, they want that positivity. So it, it, in terms of the persona, not, when I say persona, it's not an act. I mean, it's the same as what I am now, really, isn't it? You know. Um, so no, so no, not really, because yeah. I, I, I'm 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 this, I'm playing it the same way. Now there are certain rules in TV, you know. There's certain points that I need to hit as a warm up that are, that are different to a to a club, but it's I think it's in a similar postcode. Certainly, um, I think I think you have to love people. I, you know, I love people, and so TV warm up, you're playing to people from all backgrounds, all ages. And that's something that I, that I absolutely love. So I I, um, I take my MC skills into TV warm up certainly. I've been to many a TV recording over the years, um, way back, and uh, I used to go to Parkinson every Thursday night. I used to love that. Uh, but uh, my my favourite one of my favourite TV comedy recordings was um, I, we we're in the audience for Have I Got News for You when Bruce Forsyth did his first time and nobody knew he was going to appear. And it was just, the, uh, to, to, to watch him with an audience was incredible. And yeah. there's a bit in it where he he does a thing called Play Your Iraqi Cards Right, which was yeah. around. I remember and he's it. trying to read an autocue and he's going, da, 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 da. and I'm sitting above Ian Hislop's head 
and he turns around and he looks at me convulsing and goes please please this is satire and it was one of the first times my laugh actually got on television amazing <laughs> i think brinkstock was on there yeah he was he was yeah. and, I, and i said i said to him uh, at the rachel and marcus shows that <laughs> oh, always be comedy doing he said, oh were you there i said yeah i was yeah that's great yeah. um so so it was me uh, <laughs> anyway uh to date what's been your comedy highlight this well thank you <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking before we did this when you interviewed me when I first came to Always Be Comedy and you were staggered at the amount of acts that I'd seen Yes. and the little video I found and I've put it on the blog and that is a reason for doing the blog because it started off as a list oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Uh, well, as, well, as well as this I'd say Harry Hill's Club Night wow yes yeah, he definitely. Is, yeah, he definitely. Is such a great comedian. Well, so, just such a kind thing for him to do. As yeah. you know, I've been I've been his warm up for a few years, and so for him to to give you a routine. Quite a good story. It's quite a good story, actually. So I've been his warm up for a few years, and then he goes, uh, "Let's go." For, I hope he doesn't mind me telling this story because let's maybe I shouldn't tell this story because let's go for a meal. You pick the restaurant, and so I said to him, "I didn't know. I didn't know that he was going to ask me to appear on." Harry L's club night because we, you know, we are we are friends. So I just so I said to him, I'm going to pick my favourite restaurant, and I'm it, this will be my treat. <laughs> and Emily goes, Emily's always right. She goes, there's no way he's going to let you pay. And I was like, trust me, Emily, I I'm, I'll pay for this is my <laughs> treat as a thank you to Harry for me being his warm up for all these years. You know, uh, this one this one's on me. She was like, no, this is a terrible idea. So I picked this restaurant called 34 in Mayfair, which is, I, I reviewed it year, when I was at Shortlist, I reviewed it years ago. It, mate, it is, this restaurant is extraordinary. <laughs> so I thought, anyway, Harry Hill, we, we sit down to eat, I mean, you know, fantastic evening. It was for me anyway. Um, and he, and it, during the, I think it was during the main course, he goes, I want you to appear on. And I was like, again, wow. again, I, I, I I remember it so clearly. It's amazing. I was like, Harry, thank you so much. Wow. Anyway, the bill comes and I had it all planned. <laughs> this one's on me. And <laughs> absolutely, he was having absolutely none of it. Wow. But I, I, I promise I went with the best of intentions of, of paying for it. No. So that would. How, how good of like, him to, to do that how good of him to to give you that chance to go on so kind it. yeah so kind and that's that was uh that was a real thrill and yeah that was yeah that was that was lovely that was a, that was a really lovely evening and very kind of of uh and rachel paris was there yeah. so it's nice to have a good pal on the same show yeah it was a lovely magic cup one of those you know that's like, that's 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 like my fa cup final that, yeah you know? yeah 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 um we're all living in strange times it's been a horrible 18 months or whatever um online gigs how have you found them as opposed to live stand-up i absolutely i could not love these online gigs more to the point where <laughs> they are brilliant <laughs> i love them and when i, I know all right, look i know comedians are only pulling my leg but when comedians say disparaging things about online comedy part like Again, the little voice in, in my head's like, mm. yeah, I, I feel very protective of them. 
so I, I love them a great deal. I've been introduced to people I wouldn't have met otherwise. You know, think of like Petrina and Doug in the, up in the northeast. Yeah, yeah. We've got viewers in Scotland. We've got uh, Marie over in Hanoi. Yeah. We've got Doug in America. You know, and the fact that all these people come together, I feel very blessed and I'm very grateful for them. I love the format. I love when we've got the grid up and I'm doing crowd work. Yeah. Or like the show with Al Murray that we do on a Monday and Al's doing crowd work. I mean, it's I think it's a dream. So I, I I absolutely adore these online gigs and I would love to keep doing them. I, I Well, I think yeah. it will happen. I think I think yeah. I think even when the clubs open again and the theatres where all the comedians go, I think they'll still be They'll do like a streaming, like if 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 they're doing a four or five nights five nights a week, one of them will be streamed. So it'll get it'll give everybody the chance to get to to, to watch them who may may not be able to go or whatever, you know. So, I agree. Yeah, I think. And look, I remember. I know some people say that you know, in terms of that live laugh, you know, in the crowd. Or to, you know, you get like it's rolling laughter, mm. and I know that can be trickier or over the internet, and I get that. But nevertheless, I I, st I still I, I they, they, you know they they are different, but I I, I really yeah I, I love is not too strong a word. I, I I really love the online noise. It's interesting from the people I've been talking to because um, some of them haven't done any and won't do any that's right yeah and some of them embrace it and yeah. and and i find that interesting is that do you think that's because that of the style of their comedy or or what because well i mean you know you've you've heard quite a few comedians say this they've got to the end of their set and they've yeah. gone oh i'll be honest with you i didn't want to do this but yeah. Yeah. yo this yeah. is great fun you know and then that same comedian who's avoided it for months the next day if you've got any more of those, I'll, I'll, I'll be up for you know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I think I do think that those who I mean, look, some people don't want to do them, and I obviously I totally respect that. But I, I think I think some people who haven't done them, I think would be pleasant. I mean, some might not be pleasantly surprised, but some would be pleasantly surprised in terms of how much they enjoy them. And the feedback we keep getting is that this is the closest you can get to a to a live gig thanks to people like you you know thanks to well, that kind. virtual front row providing those laughs you know and, and also crucially when something's not funny those silences you know because that's, <laughs> that's that's what that's it's all about you know me. <laughs> i mean romesh, romesh tells that story i won't mind romesh tells the story where he, he did a gag and he goes um he goes to everyone oh did um <laughs> did, uh, did the internet freeze then and everyone on the grid went <laughs> everyone on the grid went no and Ron was like, okay, on to the next gag. <laughs> um, but look, I think it's no, it's very telling that those who have adapted. Yeah. Ramesh Ranganathan, Al Murray, Joe Caulfield, Rachel and Marcus. You know, it's no coincidence that these are guys who've been brilliant across a number of years. And so, you know, take Joe Caulfield, undeniable, <laughs> undeniably brilliant as a stand-up. It should be no surprise that she's, I'd put her in like, the, of all the online comedians, she's top five, oh, top three, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, because she's taken that, those same levels of excellence that she has uh, in the live arena and taken them to online, I, you know. Yeah. I, she's, I find her such an inspiration. She is. What I, what I love about her is every time I see her, it's different material. 100%. 
and you think how do you how do you get that level of you know how do you change your material all the time i agree um, i've got a question who are your favorite comedians past and present well, pre present, you know, Joe Caulfield is is abs absolutely one of my favourites. Kevin Bridges, I know yeah. I talk him about, I talk about Kevin a lot. Um, people, you know, pe again, people I consider friends, but like, you know, Nick Helm, Sarah Pascoe, Ramesh Ranganathan. But I think you can almost, you can take all those guys as given. You know, Rachel and Mark. You know, of course, yeah, all those guys just. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a love you. I mean, I, it, we've you and I have been stood in the same rooms as we're you know gasping for air through laughter yeah the the the, big, the biggest one is is, da is david letterman in, in, i mean he doesn't really do comedy anymore wow. but um i first got into the late uh, i first got into the late show as a teenager and uh wow. i just i just I, there was just something about the guy he was like brilliant. Yeah, was, oh, this is this is the this is the comedy i've been i mean you know as a kid i love people like russ abbott and les dennis and yeah, then yeah. Things like the Mary Whitehouse experience yeah. as, a, as a teenager and all that. But when I got into Letterman, I about, would have been about 15, maybe 16. Wow. And it was like, you know, like music fans talk about seeing the Beatles at the Cavern Club or whatever it, it might have been. That that moment where you're like, oh, this this is the guy for me. I, I had that with uh, with with Letterman and yeah. still watch his old, old bits now on, on YouTube at night, you know. We, we uh, went on holiday in the 90s, uh, 80s, 90s to New York and uh, uh, I queued uh, from lunchtime to try and get in to see him, to see the late show and I couldn't get in. I was absolutely fuming. I feel, so, well, I feel, I, I, I apologise for about saying I, I twice was in the audience for Letterman. <laughs> Once, don't apologize that's fantastic <laughs> once once was in 99 uh and then once was towards the end of of, of his time there and i went with emily and uh wow justin Be justin Bieber was a guest oh so he was a guest brian regan was the stand-up and i interviewed brian regan a couple of years ago and i got to I, I i said i don't even remember that particular show and he the reason why i remembered it so well is because he, while he was on stage doing his stand-up he could hear this scream behind him and it was Bieber leaving the leaving wow. the building wow. and and uh he was that close to saying to the audience oh brian regan who's like you know Jer I think he's jerry seinfeld's favorite stand-up that's one of his claims to fame he's a clean act incredible comedian and brian regan said that he nearly said to the crowd oh did you all hear that and he was like thank god i didn't because what an he's like what an idiotic thing to say <laughs> no and he'd have killed it you know he's doing his tv set he would have you know um but yeah I, oh man uh thing with dave it's that it's it's been i think i think it was letterman that we described it's been described as uh dumb comedy done by smart people yeah yeah and i love that and i mean that we did a bit uh where i plugged the wire into my head pretending that i could uh, i would pretending that the technology was reading my thoughts to guess what Anne, uh, one of our front row regulars, was having to drink. And that yeah, is, yeah. that's a very Dave-esque, uh, you know, very dumb. But it worked, but it worked and it we works, designed, you know, works, it, did, it, it, went, it did, it went well. I, but that, I, uh, that, that's I, definitely a, a, a Letterman-esque gag. Yeah. I I was very fortunate very fortunate to see Bill Hicks in Britain. Wow! And, and he um, 
Letterman used to always invite him onto his show regardless of what he was going to say and he kept inviting him on until I think he did eventually get censored off but he, he, he made sufficient appearances to get his name known and that's how he started touring and everything so well, Dave actually got Bill Hicks's wife uh, sorry Bill Hicks's wife Dave got Bill Hicks's mother on the show to apologize to apologize right for the for the time he censored him right and uh Bill Hicks's mum came across really well because she accepted the apology and you knew that you knew that that apology was was needed yeah and yeah. I think she said something like I think she said, yeah, I accept your apology. I something like Bill would have appreciated your, Bill would appreciate that. Words to that effect. Yeah. But she wasn't letting him off the hook. She no. wasn't going. He was, she was, he, he was. Don't, don't you, don't you worry about it, Dave. There was none of that. She, no. she I, I really admired her. She, yeah, she, she was great. He was, he was an extraordinary act to see live. I was, I was so lucky. I saw him at midnight at the Royal Exchange Theatre in Manchester. And you, you just, you, we were very, very lucky to go. And, Rich, and that's he, amazing. And he did, and he did an hour and a half. Um, just before we go, and well, I you think, know what? There's, there's something Bill Hicks said about yeah. uh, music. He's talking about um, boy bands, comparing them to the likes of Jimi Hendrix and the Who and Led Zeppelin and all that. And Bill, Hicks, the, the the point that Hicks is making, he's talking, he's talking about music, but he says. Uh, play from your fucking heart. You know yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. In heart, and I've, I'm a, I'm a bit like that with with comedy. I like the comedians that play from their heart. Well, it shows, mate. When when you do the shows, it shows. We can see that. We can see you're giving your absolute all to entertain but, us. But I think all, but I think all the guys that play, yeah, yeah, yeah. play I think they all play from yeah. their heart. No one, no one phones it in. Yeah. No one is jaded. Everybody wants to play the club, and that's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely. Is. Just before we go, and I could talk to you all night, my friend. Yeah, easily. Um, really, I could. Is there anything else you would like to say? Is there anything oh. anything you'd like to promote? Anything? Well, there's one. There's one thing that we we you're gonna, we're going to talk about. Uh, do I go to gigs as a member of the audience? Yes. Yeah. Well, I would say before I before I became a comedian. Yes, very much so. Right. When I was at university, I went to the I went to the gigs at uni every single week. It was on a third. We'd go every Thursday. Uh, I mean, this you know, I'm like you. Comedy's been a, a, a I've been in this for the long haul. This is a lifelong thing, you know. Uh, but when I was at, when I was at uni, I, I saw people like Julian Barrett and Noel yeah. Fielding and yeah. Peter Kay. You know, before he was famous. You and me um, both. I I saw him in Jabez Clegg in Manchester, Peter Kay, and he was on a bill of five acts, and he was fourth on, and I laughed so hard I missed the fifth act, and I, I, was, I was laughing so hard, and I said to my mate, he's going to be a superstar, and only later on I admitted to Dave Gorman that he was the fifth act. <laughs> and he went, oh mate, he was brilliant, he's great, he's <laughs> and Dave Gorman I've seen many times since. But not but not these days it's trickier uh to go to gigs just with the kids with the kids but also because I gig and warm up of course generally six six nights of the week and so if I am gonna go see someone as a member, I went to go see Catherine Ryan when she did that run at the theatre you know Ramesh and Bridges at the Apollo um 
but and so, you know if it's like a, if it's a special occasion but if I, on the very rare occasion I've got a night off if I said to Emily I'm just gonna pop down to you know whichever comedy night she'd be like are you fucking joking <laughs> um, <laughs> a re that is a reason why i skipped over that question nice <laughs> no no no, but, no but, they, they... But before before i was a comedian yeah, yeah. absolutely i was I, yeah. I yeah the reason the reason is because i've asked that question to a lot of comedians the answer is always no so i then say um uh, if you're on a comedy bill, do you stay and watch the comedians? And the, the answer, the majority is always yes. But um, even even I can't do comedy seven nights a week. You know, but, uh, <laughs> but that, that question should stay in though, because you could say before you you were a comedian, were you a comedy fan? Because yeah. what's because what's common is a lot of com a lot of comedians were not fans of comedy, and they just got into it for whatever reason. Right? There's not that. Some comedians are fan, were, were were comedy fans, but not not that not not everyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's interesting. Um, just before we go, have you got anything to promote, or where yes, can people find you is, on social media? Yeah, absolutely. Please visit the website, A Rich Comic Life. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be my final question. I'm off to go and find our family tree because I'm certain we are related if we both like comedy as much as we do. I know, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess, you know, always be comedy, uh, yeah. you know. I mean, it, I think, it is the I think you, you already do a good enough job promoting that. I, we don't need to promote that anymore, <laughs> maybe, Rich. <laughs> You're very kind. Well, thank you so, so much for your time. And I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, mate. And I will see you on Monday. God bless you, sir. Thanks for everything and well done. I'm so glad this is going so well, Rich. Thank you so much. I think it's, a, it's such a testament to you and a reflection on you uh, in terms of uh, how many comedians have, are so keen to do this chat. So well done, Rich. Thank you very much, mate. It's very, very kind of you and all the very best to you. I remember what Hal Cruttenden said. Comedy needs a lot more rich gills, and that's true. <laughs> All the best, pal, and thank you. Thank you so much for listening to a Rich Comic Live podcast, and I hope you've enjoyed the interview. If you did, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can also watch the video interview on my YouTube channel. More comedians interviews will be added to both the podcast and my YouTube channel every weekend. Please go to www.arichcomiclife.blog to access the menu for all my blogs, the YouTube videos, the podcast and more. And please keep listening, watching and reading about my experiences of watching stand-up comedy. Thanks again and best wishes, Richard Gill.